You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Another winter warning. Slow down and drive with care. The second major snowfall in as many days already battering parts of the south coast, making conditions treacherous in some areas. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. Rising anxiety tonight as round two of this wintry wallop starts to hit the south coast. That threat prompting those who could leave work early this afternoon to do just that, hoping to avoid a repeat of the delays and chaos seen this morning, especially on transit. And that's where we begin tonight. Our Grace Key is at Commercial and Broadway, where there were some major transit troubles this morning. Grace? Yeah, this was certainly one of the busier spots this morning, though, for the evening commute. So far, so good. But if you were heading into work this morning, you said you certainly saw delays and long lines all along the Expo and Millennium lines. No one here was getting to work on time this morning. This was the long lineup outside the Lowheed Skytrain station in Burnaby. And once you got onto the platform, getting into a packed train was another challenge. It's you didn't so put on that last train? No, I didn't, no. I, hopefully I get on this one. <laughs> I came from the Columbia station and uh, it was, people didn't fit on the platform. This going to take me like a two hours to get to work and then come, coming home. I don't know. I haven't decided if I'm going to call my manager and take a vacation day by force. Snow and icy conditions combined with the extra passengers caused problems on the Expo and Millennium lines. Shuttle trains were brought in and passengers had to transfer at Columbia and Lougheed, adding to the congestion. In Toronto, it's like this, but they have shuttle buses. Yeah. Lots of shuttle buses. We I'm don't. in Toronto, so it makes no sense <laughs> to me. TransLink says delays were caused by frozen doors and intrusion alarms going off due to falling ice and snow on the tracks. So the alarms were shut off on the Expo and Millennium lines. That meant trains had to be staffed and they could only put out as many trains as they had personnel. It's normally just a localized problem. So with the intrusion alarms, for instance, they're generally in a specific area. We, extra, we put staff on the trains in that area and we're fine. But today, because we had to shut down all the intrusion systems, we had to staff all the trains through the entire system, something we haven't seen before, at least for many years. You know, what, what created these series of circumstances? So it's something we're looking at. But with more snow headed our way, patience is wearing thin for commuters. It's so cold and we are not ready for that. And besides, I'm from Africa, like I can't. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. So as for this evening's commute, TransLink says that they are going to be having more staff than what you saw in the morning. They're going to be continuing with their de-icing efforts. They're also, um, with that intrusion system that you heard about, that's likely going to be off again. Now, if you do take the Millennium Line, normally it's two-car trains. They're going to be having four cars instead. Now, this does mean that you'll see uh, those trains uh, less frequently, but they say it will allow them to better staff those trains as well. We'll, of course, be keeping a situation on the uh, uh, tonight's commute and tomorrow morning. Sophie, we certainly will. Thanks for that, Grace Key at Commercial and Broadway. The heavy snow also causing some ferry cancellations. The last round of trips for two vessels on the Tawasson Swartz Bay route and the Tawasson Duke Point route have been cancelled. Same goes for ferries from Horseshoe Bay to Bowen Island and Horseshoe Bay to Departure Bay.
What we've been finding is uh, while the ships can sail, uh, some of the road conditions have been quite poor. And I know that police are advising people if you don't need to travel on the roads, stay at home. Our Kylie Stanton has been monitoring the situation in Victoria where it's really coming down in the last little while. Kylie? Yeah, Chris, and it just keeps coming. Another 10 to 20 centimeters is in the forecast here, and that's on top of what already fell over the weekend. These storms causing some major problems right across Vancouver Island. Plows and shovels hit the streets this morning, moving piles of snow into even bigger ones. I was not prepared for this amount of snow, and I had no idea who was coming. 40 centimeters fell here in Nanaimo, one of the hardest hit spots on Vancouver Island making for a treacherous day out on the roads and a busy one here as drivers try to keep up with the conditions. I slid into the barrier. I'm driving a little front-wheel drive Civic and it's, uh, it's not very, very good getting around. This has become a common sight, a vehicle losing control, landing in the ditch. But even tow trucks are struggling. Keeps coming down and keeps solidifying. And Peninsula Towing had more than 50 calls before noon as drivers abandoned their vehicles along Victoria highways, unable to manage the ice or make it up hills. Basically, yeah, we're, we're taking the, the problem cars, the ones that are in the lane. Currently, there's only one road closure west of Souk as several trees came down on power lines. So for anyone trying to access Port Renfrew, they will need to be going around to Lake Cowichan and through the circle routes for access there. As for anyone trying to get off the island by plane, <sighs> horrifying. Roughly half of Sunday's flights were cancelled, leaving passengers stranded. Our crews are working uh, 24 hours right now, trying to stay ahead of things. Uh, but if you get hit with snow like it was yesterday afternoon, it makes it very difficult to keep those pavements uh, clear and, and safe for the uh, for the aircrafts to uh, to land and, and take off. But there's even more to come. Can you manage two, do you think? You bet. With another 10 to 20 centimeters possible by the end of the day Tuesday, it seems everyone is scrambling. You okay with those? For salt, trucked in from the mainland. Everyone on the island is out. Shovels and everything in between. Couple hundred to go. If anyone needs one, we're here till 7 o'clock. Now, if you can believe it, it's expected to get even heavier going into this evening, only lightening up a little bit overnight with some possible flurries in the forecast for tomorrow. So if you aren't prepared, now is the time. It seems it could get worse before it gets better. Chris? All right, Kylie, thanks a lot. All right, let's take a quick look at some of those totals from yesterday's snowfall. White Rock, a whopping 33 centimeters. Surrey and Langley, around 15 to 30. Coquitlam saw about 15 on the island. Nanaimo was hit hard, 20 to 40 centimeters there. The Malahat Summit saw 30 centimeters and the Victoria Airport, about 17 centimeters. Now, those numbers prompted dozens of school closures today, posing challenges for parents needing to make last-minute childcare plans. Today's break in the weather also meant stores were busy as those who could get out went to stock up. Catherine Urquhart has more on the conditions and the fallout. Watch out, For kids, the snow brought fun times with friends, many hitting neighborhood hills to go sledding. So no school today, is that right? Yeah. Good news. How come? Because then you don't have to do any work. So I kind of like school, but I'm so happy we get to skip it. I enjoy it. I have fun. I like a good snow day. Others ventured onto frozen ponds for a game of pickup hockey. 
In Surrey, where all schools were closed for the day, more than 70,000 kids were out of the classroom, about 9,000 teachers. Support staff initially told to come in, then to stay home. For many parents in the province's largest district, it was a challenge. As I'm rolling with it, make the most of it, right? It's unclear if classes will be happening on Tuesday. We'll be uh, up early and uh, making an assessment of the situation. We'll uh, make the call as soon as we can to give parents a, a, as much notice as possible. Many other schools, colleges and universities were also closed Monday with Tuesday openings uncertain. We'll be tweeting uh, as soon as a decision is made. We'll also post on our website. Some were definitely not prepared for winter conditions like this cabbie in Langley. Here it is. Others have been rushing to stock up on salt, sand and shovels before they sell out. There's quite a bit of snow in there. Need a new shovel, huh? Need a new one. It's going to be a hard work. I grew up in Alberta, so I've had enough of it, but I'm going to make the most of it. Something all of us are trying to do. <laughs> Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, some people enjoy it, that's for sure. All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon is out in the elements as well tonight with a timeline of what's next. Christy, how's it looking? Well, the flakes are starting to get bigger now. That's a good indication that we're starting to see that intensification that we called for, and it will continue to go in that direction for the next hour. So the roads right now, the main roads at least, look just wet. The traffic is flowing really well. We're at the south end of the Portman Bridge, but I wouldn't doubt it if we're starting to see some accumulation on the side roads where it's a bit cooler. Uh, overnight, this evening and overnight, we are expecting widespread snow anywhere from 10 to 15 centimetres along with winds in the 30 to 40 kilometer an hour range. So I am concerned about some whiteout conditions, especially for those of you out near Langley and out towards the Fraser Valley. Tomorrow morning, conditions are going to ease off to just pockets or periods of snow, but still a significant accumulations expected during that time. So we're really urging people to stay away from the roads, even in the morning, call it a snow day. It's not until later that we will see things ease off to just a chance of flurries. Back to you guys. Is still winter after all, Christy. Thank you. Whistler RCMP are investigating a serious assault in the village that sent three innocent bystanders to hospital with stab wounds. Early this morning, RCMP responded to a report of a fight in the village stroll area. When officers arrived, they learned three bystanders who tried to break up the fight were stabbed for their efforts. All were taken to hospital, one of them in critical condition. Thankfully, RCMP quickly identified and arrested three individuals. All three males were from the Lower Mainland. Uh, they are known to police in their mid-20s and they're currently in custody with the RCMP. Investigators are appealing for witnesses or any video evidence. Anyone with more information is asked to contact Whistler RCMP or Crime Stoppers. The provincial government is taking another step in its attempts to put out the ongoing dumpster fire at ICBC. Attorney General David Eby announcing restrictions on expert reports. But as Richard Zussman tells us, not everyone is convinced this is the solution to the ICBC problem. It is an essential part of David Brooks's job as a lawyer, hiring experts to write reports to assess wage loss, future wage loss, or future care when a client is hurt in a car crash. It's not always possible to get by with one or two expert reports. 
Uh, often liability is an issue in these matters. But the B.C. government is now going to force lawyers to change how they represent their clients. The province announcing on Monday only one expert can be used in claims that are less than $100,000 and up to three experts in reports each for all other claims. Unlimited adversarial experts all paid for by ICBC, by you and me through our car insurance, are just one more example of spending funded by car insurance premiums that does not advance any interest. The changes come in immediately, which means if anybody got in a crash in this crazy weather today and were injured, they play by the new rules. But EB says the savings could be significant. Rejections are in excess of $400 million. Um, the reality um, is that uh, it will depend very much on the reception of the courts and the approach of lawyers to this. ICBC is in desperate need of those savings, with a projected loss of more than $1.1 billion this year. Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson doesn't think that this is the way to fix the insurer's bottom line. The business of expert reports is really fussing around the edges. He says he's going to save a million dollars a day by handing around fewer pieces of paper. ICBC's broken. Why don't they just admit it? We need to move on from ICBC. Back at Brooks's law office, he thinks this change hurts victims. To put this burden on the victims, I say, is uh, absolutely unfair to them. And if this latest change doesn't help ICBC's bottom line, there could be more pain. This time for everyone who has to pay insurance rates that will no doubt have to go up. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. And ICBC is just one of a number of issues expected to come up in tomorrow's throne speech. Our Keith Baldry joins us with more on what we're expecting to see in that speech tomorrow. Keith? Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb as I do every year, Sophie, and predict the speech will be long on generalities and short on specifics. That's generally the, uh, the tradition with throne speeches. But it does uh, contain the usual themes that a government wants to prioritize. And in the NDP, uh, you're going to see a number of them addressed tomorrow. First of all, there's going to be a continued specific affordability uh, measures, new ones announced in the throne speech. There's going to be an emphasis on the new clean energy plan, which has ramifications for every hydro customer. Further measures for Indigenous reconciliation, including the new uh, gaming grant system, will allow gaming revenue to flow to Indigenous communities. And finally, as Richard was reporting, ICBC is in trouble and so is BC Hydro. That will get some attention in tomorrow's throne speech in terms of the NDP trying to come up with a plan to fix the fiscal problems that both those crown corporations are so deeply mired in. So that's just some of what to expect tomorrow. And somewhat overshadowing all of this, Keith, the allegations involving uh, the two top legislature officials. Yeah, and it goes beyond that because now you've got the House resuming with the Speaker in the chair. Daryl Plekis has now made public accusations that uh, at least uh, uh, several MLAs may be guilty of criminal behavior in his mind. He's put the entire House under a cloud. Uh, we caught up with Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson, who says the Speaker should basically stop characterizing things the way he's been doing. Daryl Plekis is throwing around these wild allegations, playing his game of I know something you don't know. He's pretending to be the police spokesman, an informant, a prosecutor, a judge. We need to bring this down to earth and manage the legislature in the interests of British Columbians and stop playing this peekaboo game. And back to the throne speech, I'll finish on a weather note, Sophie, because there was consideration late today from the government house leader Mike Farmer to delay the throne speech uh, a few hours or even a day because there's no flights and no ferries here. Uh, but he checked and he's given the green light. The speech will go ahead, but it's more than likely the chamber will not be filled by all 87 bodies. A lot of people just simply can't get to the Capitol right now. Well, some of those MLAs will have to watch the throne speech on BC1 tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> you, Richard, and myself will be covering that starting at 1.30 on BC1. Keith, we'll talk to you tomorrow.
Good plug. Right now, though, disturbing allegations of bullying in B.C. minor hockey after a heartbreaking letter written by an Abbotsford player goes viral. Jamison Ladd telling his coaches he's quitting his Bantam C3 team because he was being bullied and because they did nothing to stop it. Aaron MacArthur has the story and how the league is responding. Garrett Ladd is getting rid of a few of his son Jamison's hockey sticks. The 13-year-old resigned from his Abbotsford minor hockey team, writing a letter to his coaches and the league. And we thought it was important that if he was going to make the decision to, to uh, stop playing, uh, that he explained why in his own words. The letter posted online spells out months of verbal abuse, allegedly from a few teammates. He was called nasty names, some anti-Semitic. The teen writing, they make me feel like I don't belong in hockey. The letter goes on to say his coaches knew about his concerns, but the situation wasn't getting any better. It started as something fun for some kids. Uh, um, some kids were uncomfortable. They asked for the behavior to stop, and it didn't stop. So that's, that's, where, that's where we draw the line. The Abbotsford Minor Hockey Association didn't respond to our phone calls today, but in an open letter to all the families in the league, says that it takes allegations of bullying seriously. It learned of these allegations February 9th and has launched an internal investigation. But emails from league officials indicate a player was suspended in December for team violations. So as far as we understood, uh, the executive was fully aware of what was going on um, long before the suspension even took place. Uh, it's our understanding that they have to be involved to, to allow a suspension. Jamison Ladd has been playing hockey since he was six. Even one player of the game in a younger division with different teammates. This past year, he pulled away. And his family did too, soured by an environment his dad says needs to change so other kids don't have to go through something similar. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Now, dramatic dash cam video of a crash in Abbotsford to show you, and it'll be used by police and ICBC to establish who's at fault. Now, pay particular attention to the traffic lights. Miraculously, everyone survived. Have a look. The light turns yellow and the driver of the semi continues through the intersection on Sumas Way just as the pickup turns left in front of it. They collide and the semi loses control, careening into oncoming traffic and spilling its load of roofing material. The video posted on Reddit is now part of the RCMP and ICBC crash scene investigation. The wreck blocked traffic on Sumas Way for several hours on Sunday. And it was just like on TV, man. And boom, boom, rig went over, up she went over, and all I saw was <laughs> roofing coming towards me. So lucky. So lucky, exactly. Well, with a little more than two months until the annual celebration of pot in Vancouver, the debate is on once again over the location at Sunset Beach. As Jennifer Palmer reports, one park board commissioner wants Vancouver's 420 event moved out of the public park where smoking of any kind is not allowed. It's become a hazy fixture in the West End, the 420 event taking place at Sunset Beach, but there's a motion to move it. The organizers, though, aren't budging. It's by far the, the best space and the safest space 
to put on this kind of large-scale event. If someone has some other spot that would work better, I'm happy to hear it. The debate on where to move 420 isn't new. It was previously held at the Vancouver Art Gallery and suggested in 2017 to move it to the PE. Newly elected NPA Vancouver Park Board Commissioner Tricia Barker thinks Sunset Beach is not a good place for it. I have no idea where it should be. And that's not, I know that it shouldn't be in a park. Barker adds there's a smoking bylaw in place prohibiting smoking in Vancouver parks. She also wants to see pot sales end at the event to stay in line with Canada's new cannabis laws. The 420 people will say, oh, it's still a protest, but they're protesting something else. No, we would like to say this is now an event. It's not a protest anymore. Even with legalization, there is still a great deal of stigma and criminalization involved in the Cannabis Act and in our society. And one of those examples is that our 420 event is treated like a pariah and can't get a permit. Another consideration Barker points out is that West End residents are heavily inconvenienced. The park board also cites damage to the park. Last year being shut down for weeks for cleanup and repair after 40,000 people packed the area. Everything they did except for policing, we covered and that bill was $63,000. This is the 25th year of the 420 event and it's expected to be massive happening on a Saturday. The park board is expected to vote on Barker's motion tonight. Jennifer Palmer, Global News. Still more pressure on the NDP government to look deeper into the crime wave that's tied to B.C.'s overdose crisis and the affordable housing shortage. As John Hua reports, a group that describes itself as cross-partisan is demanding the government hold a public inquiry into money laundering. Organized crime infiltrated B.C. casinos. Dirty cash was cleaned in Metro Vancouver real estate. While thousands were killed in the fentanyl crisis, and the stakes are only getting higher. So are the number of people going all in on a public inquiry into this province's money laundering mess. British Columbians deserve a full and extensive public inquiry. Vancouver Councillor Christine Boyle is putting forward a motion asking the rest of council to pressure the province. It's about understanding how our own public institutions allowed it to happen for so long. Some of the most vocal advocates together in one room asking tough questions of other elected officials. Everybody knows that it's been wrong and nobody is doing anything about it and why do we only have two elected officials here today? Well, I wouldn't be doing my duty as mayor if I weren't here with Councillor Boyle today. While the NDP government hasn't ruled out a public inquiry, it has stated it decided to take quicker action. Critics say the province can't take full credit for the decrease in casino money laundering so far. Our correction in money laundering coincides almost exactly with China's hard crackdown on capital outflows. In Richmond, a staff report to City Council is looking at nearly everything but a public inquiry. Recommending casino staff need better training, police be given more resources and the province be told to halt the opening of any new casinos. Sure, have a public inquiry if that's what you want to do. Uh, but I'm for more immediate enforcement and regulation. The first to go public with their call for an inquiry says it's politicians who need something else. It takes some courage to speak out on this issue. Those who lack the conviction might soon be convinced by the mounting public pressure that is only gaining momentum. John Hua, Global News. Well, more now on the snow situation as the south coast digs out from our first real winter wallop and we're being hit again, or we will be throughout the evening. Catherine Urquhart is live in Surrey now with more on the situation there right now. And that's where they were hit hard last night, Catherine. 
That's right, Sophie. Chris, this is the situation right now in Surrey. It is snowing fairly heavily, coming down a lot more strongly in the past hours. So we're at 152nd and 104 Avenue, right in the parking lot of Guilford Town Centre, where they've piled up a bunch of the snow here behind me. Crews busy throughout this, the day, brining streets in the area. Of course, Many side streets haven't been so great. We've seen plenty of drivers struggling on icy spots. Not surprisingly, though, kids just loving the snow. For those not in school, it was a chance to do some sledding and play some hockey. The big question, though, what will Surrey and other school districts do tomorrow? Will they be closed or will they open? We're told that they'll decide first thing tomorrow morning around 6.30 perhaps. They say to stay tuned to social media accounts and of course to global news. It all depends on what happens overnight. Back to you. Yeah, we'll definitely be keeping on top of that. Our team on Global BC News Morning will have all the details for you on school closures and uh, how it might affect your commute tomorrow morning because it certainly did this morning. So keep it here on Global. A crowd in South Africa erupts in cheers as a newborn baby is pulled alive from a storm drain. The girl was there for several hours before a passerby heard her crying and opened a manhole cover. She escaped with a mild case of hypothermia and a few cuts and bruises. As for how she ended up there, well, no one knows. Police have opened an attempted murder case and are trying to find the parents. A heart-stopping drama caught on video in southwest China after a young girl falls into a panda enclosure at a research facility. A security guard first tried to reach the eight-year-old with a pole, but it soon became apparent she could not hang on tight enough to be pulled up. Two pandas wandered up, appearing to be more curious than anything. The guard finally leaned into the enclosure, grabbed the girl, and with the help of spectators, pulled her to safety. Got some breaking news out of Washington, D.C. to tell you about that will come as a relief to Americans and a lot of Canadian businesses as well. Lawmakers say they've reached an agreement in principle to avoid another U.S. government shutdown, and it may include funding for physical barriers along the border as well. The deadline for a deal was Friday. No word at this point on any other details or whether Donald Trump will end up supporting it. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was in Vancouver today to announce three affordable housing projects, but couldn't avoid questions about the latest bombshell in the SNC-Lavalin controversy. The Federal Ethics Commissioner has announced it's looking into allegations the Prime Minister's office pressured former Attorney General and BCMP Jody Wilson-Raybould to help the engineering firm avoid criminal prosecution. Trudeau says he supports the probe and has spoken to Wilson-Raybould twice since he arrived in B.C. She confirmed for me a conversation we had this fall where I told her directly that any decisions on matters uh, involving the Director of Public Prosecutions uh, were hers alone. I respect her view that uh, due to privilege, she cannot uh, comment or add uh, on matters uh, recently before the media. Toronto police are looking for a woman who posted video of herself pulling a stupid and potentially deadly stunt. The woman, believed to be in her 20s, throwing a chair and other household items from a balcony onto a busy highway below. 
The footage, shocking. It shows what looks like a young woman hurling a patio chair off a Toronto balcony and onto a busy roadway several stories below. Holy crap. What, do they think it's funny? Stephen Hugh Call says he couldn't believe his eyes when he first saw the video. I mean, it's one of those heinous kind of activities that you do, like you think it's a joke, and all of a sudden you're going to throw a chair that's going to land on somebody's windshield, think it's terribly irresponsible. I think that's a very punishable crime. I was outraged. I thought it's a very dangerous thing. So we started an investigation that was yesterday. Police say the incident happened on Saturday morning at around 10 a.m. A chair as well as several other objects were thrown from the balcony and are believed to have ended up somewhere around the entrance of a condo building. I think we found a second chair that was also thrown off of the balcony. Um, had anybody been walking underneath uh, or entering the condo, uh, the injuries from this would be uh, it would be very serious. Now, officers want to find the woman in the video because her alleged actions could lead to criminal charges. Uh, either common nuisance or mischief endanger, endanger life. Um, if she was trying to hit somebody, then now you're, you may be talking about assault, assault with a weapon, that kind of thing. We won't know that until we actually get a chance to speak to this uh, young lady. Leaving a lot of concern for people who live in the area. From, a, from like 500 feet up, like throwing a chair like that, that could kill someone in a second. Eric Avella, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, a new report says more young people are using tobacco products. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control say millions more teenagers used a tobacco product last year compared to 2017. The biggest reason for the spike e-cigarettes, which saw an increase of more than a million young users. The report also says, with the exception of e-cigarettes, there was no change in the use of other tobacco products. A bobcat puts on a show for Florida homeowners after the forecast, the Wild Kingdom drama right over their heads. It's quite something. Quite a view there. All right. Uh, senior meteorologist Christy Gordon is out in the elements tonight, uh, keeping an eye on round two of this winter storm watch. Christy? Thanks, Soph. Yeah, so the uh, main roads still are looking pretty good, and I expect them to maybe for another hour or so before we see this snowfall intensify a little bit. However, looking out on the side streets to my left there, you can see some accumulation already starting to happen, so it's where the roads are a little bit colder. These are the warnings that are in place. White indicating the snowfall warnings, widespread house sound now included in that with wind or uh, accumulations up to 25 centimeters. Also strong out Arctic outflow winds in through the Whistler region, expecting wind chills down to minus 20. Uh, here's an example of how much snowfall we could see by the end of the day. Uh, so Metro Vancouver, 5 to 15 centimeters. Parts of Vancouver Island, 10 to 20. Uh, one of the areas we're expecting to be hardest hit for the lower mainland will be the North Shore. So from West Vancouver right over to Pitt Meadows and the Fraser Valley. Those areas could see pockets up to 20 centimeters. And this evening and overnight, it will be more widespread. By the morning hours, we're expecting it to ease off to be more pockets or periods of snow, but those periods still could uh, cause for some significant accumulations. And that's why we're urging people to maybe avoid the roads tomorrow. You may look out your window and say, it's not snowing anymore, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you won't still see snow because it will come in waves through the morning hours. Later in the day, conditions ease off a little further still. There's a chance 
spots. A few areas may see it warm up and change over to wet snow, but likely it will stay as flurries even in the afternoon hours. So just a quick recap. Uh, there's your uh, Metro Vancouver commute to work. Avoid the roads there and then in the morning, that is, and then later on in the day, conditions should ease up and become a little bit better through the afternoon hours. And I'll just give you a forecast across the northern regions. And then I have a time lapse that I want to show you. Northern regions cold and clear. Southern regions light snow overnight, continuing to be light through the day tomorrow, with two to four centimeters also expected through the day tomorrow. For southern BC, more heavy snow tonight and through early morning, but otherwise tomorrow we will see waves of snow. But it still will be snowy throughout the day. Your Wednesday looking nice, but then Thursday uh, is the day that temperatures will warm up a little bit, just in time for Valentine's Day, but the transitions to wet stuff. So if you need that or you want to get out there with the kids today, to, sorry, tomorrow and Wednesday really are the best days. And I just want to quickly show you this great time lapse from Surrey. Uh, Craig sent me this and this was the start of the snowstorm yesterday right through until 9 a.m. this morning and then he's going to do another time lapse for us again tonight so we can see the change but it is really crazy how you see that snowfall pile up and uh, and it become really heavy on the tree just out in his front front yard there so that is uh, something we'll be watching for tomorrow with significant amounts still on the way for overnight tonight. Back to you guys. That's a good reminder to wipe off the branches or at least push on the branches and get the snow to come down or we'll, we'll lose a lot of branches, I think. You saw the weight of that tree. All right. Thanks, Christy. A Florida homeowner captured a life and death wildlife drama while relaxing in her screened-in pool patio. <laughs> oh, my God. A bobcat wandering around on the roof when it suddenly spots a squirrel. And the chase is on. The squirrel darts across the screen wall, down onto the grass and up a tree. The bobcat in hot pursuit. In the end, the squirrel got away. The frustrated bobcat wandering off to look for another meal. Looks like it's eaten all right. I just, skipped a meal. I want that pool patio. It seems like a nice <laughs> cool. little relaxing I know. It comes with a little adventure with the wildlife as well. It keeps the gators out, too. you got to remember that. All right. Uh, the three of us and Christy yesterday and the whole global team, of course, want to and thank... And George Takei. And George Takei. Yeah. I uh, want to thank you for another successful Variety Club Show of Hearts telethon on Sunday. <laughs> More than $5.5 million raised for BC Special Kids. And as usual, our thanks to all of you donors and the volunteers and performers who committed thousands of hours to the broadcast, both in front of and behind the cameras. So we couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for giving. Some great performances, great bands, great singers. A lot of fun. But Star you Trek actors. Yes, but you mentioned, the, and you had the Star Trek dress. I had the Star Trek dress. I didn't even know they existed. <laughs> Looked very good. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. That was a thrill of a lifetime. I will, we talked about this earlier. George Takei, one of the great speaking voices of all time. Mm -hmm. Leonard Nimoy, who was on the same show, yep. also one of the great speaking voices of all time. <laughs> Thank you. This. Wow, Hopefully a, one of those pens actually works. I'll be able it's to read unlikely. if I write someone. That, wow. Okay. And Not, you, you also look very, you look very nice. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. We said a couple. Hey. We said a couple of weeks ago, a lot of the weight of the Canucks staying in the playoff race will sit on whoever the goalie is. It was certainly Jacob Markstrom on the weekend against Calgary, a game the Canucks had no business winning. But the goalie in hockey 
is always the great X factor. You need a good one to survive those kind of games. Tonight, San Jose will provide the Canucks goaltending. Will it be Markstrom? Will it be DiPietro? And the defense with the same kind of problems Calgary gave them. Vancouver, of course, is missing Alex Edler, which means the rest of the defense is getting exposed more. And one guy getting a lot of heat on the blue line is Derek Pouliot. He'll play tonight, despite some wondering if the Canucks should give rookie Guillaume Brisbois a chance. But Travis Green says piling on Pouliot is not totally fair. You know, it's a tough market when you're not on top of your game. Uh, and it's not like we're sitting here with a plethora of other guys knocking on the door to play. I also don't want to put another young man into the lineup that's not ready as well. And I think with Derek, we've seen that he's played well in the past. I think he has it in him, and, but it is up to him. And it's not just Derek. There's our whole decor. They've, they've got to be better than they were last game, that's for sure. One rookie who will play tonight for sure, winger Zach McEwen. One of those guys who was never drafted but never gave up on his dream of playing in the NHL. Kind of like Alex Burroughs' story. McEwen just kept hanging around, working his guts out to improve and play well enough in Utica that he got the call to play tonight. McEwen with an interception. McEwen in scores! You knew the call-up had to be coming for Zach McEwen, especially coming off of a career-high four-point night in his last AHL game. And what a call it turned out to be. Uh, I was on a bus uh, from Utica to uh, Bridgeport. Uh, so I got the call around uh, quarter to two in the morning. Uh, whole family was kind of asleep, so you know, I didn't really uh, have anybody to tell until the morning. So you know, it, was, uh, it was still awesome to get the call. Awesome on numerous levels to make it this far. McEwen was never drafted and played just two seasons of major junior hockey. Scouting reports back then described him as a hard-nosed power forward, except one that really didn't excel at any one aspect of his game. In two years of professional hockey, all Zach has done is put his head down, work hard, and elevate his game to earn this call-up. You know, they gave me uh, a lot of things to work on when I first signed, and, you know, uh, you know skating was one of them. Uh, it was definitely a... Uh, uh, a big part of the first thing that I worked on and then you know as that kind of developed and I started to get more comfortable with that I, I think my uh, you know kind of poise and, and confidence with the puck is uh, is something that uh, took big strides this year too so more like giant strides by a guy who'll make his NHL debut few would have predicted you know I always had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to play in the NHL for sure but uh, I, I mean I just kept progressing I kept taking new opportunities when they presented themselves and uh, you know I never really I never really set any limits on what I could do. So, uh, I mean, the ultimate goal was to get to the NHL, and you know, here I am. And you know, it's I don't I'm not just happy being here. You know, I want to I want to stay. I want to want to make an impact in the NHL. Two guys who made a huge impact: the Sedin twins mm -hmm. in the BC Hockey Hall of Fame. As you'd expect, also going in, Ron DeLorme, who was a former Canuck and has worked for the organization for years. Barrett Jackman, uh, who played for years in the NHL as well. Karen Wallace, who's a builder on the women's side. Shane Heyer, NHL linesman. And the 1997-98 Surrey Eagles. Congratulations to all. Uh, will Mike Riley be a BC Lion again, where he started in the CFL? I'll show you the picture. Maybe I won't. Uh, we will know tomorrow morning, but rumors are he will sign a four-year deal with BC for 700000 per season. Spent the last six years in Edmonton, led the CFL in passing the past three years. Lives in Seattle. Is buddies with Travis Lule. Ed Hervey was the guy who brought him to Edmonton when he acquired him in BC. 
in a trade, so the chances are very good that he comes back to the Lions as a free agent. Okay, Phil Mickelson had to come back to Pebble Beach on Monday morning to finish off the Pro-Am. Last two holes stopped because of darkness yesterday. On a very nice line. The sleep took nothing out of him. That's on 18, knocks it close. This is his 44th, I do believe. It is, his 44th PGA title. He's now over 90 million in earnings. Only Tiger Woods has reached that plateau. Adam Hadwin was 18th, Nick Taylor was 28th. The U.S. Open this year is at Pebble Beach, but it'll be a lot different course when the U.S. Open gets a hold of it. Ruff will be up. Right. He just can't swing a late way like mm-hmm. Phil was this week. But he's won five times there. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Week. There All you right. go. All Thanks, right. Squire. You're welcome. Here's your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb, no new snow, but they will get some in the next 24 hours. Grouse picked up 11 centimeters, Cypress 17, and Sasquatch 3. Revelstoke has one centimeter fresh, Fernie 3, Manning Park 2, and Whitewater 2. Big White also picked up two, Silver Star 2 centimeters, and Sun Peaks also 2. Kicking Horse has one centimeter fresh snow, Mount Washington a nice new 13, and Powder King also one. Well, residents of a small town in Russia's frigid eastern Arctic are at their wit's end dealing with an invasion of polar bears. Local officials declared a state of emergency over the weekend after more than 50 bears invaded the town. In particular, it's garbage dump. Surveillance cameras have captured bears actually wandering through some buildings and roaming outside within close proximity of people. There have been a number of close calls, but so far no one has been hurt. Experts say shrinking sea ice due to climate change is forcing bears to go onshore in search of food. Shooting polar bears is not allowed in Russia without special government permission, and even then, only in extreme circumstances. Kind of sad seeing the amount of waste just littered around in that. Do you notice a little thing? At friend of your friend. Yeah. Strange handle. I was reading the script. I couldn't see it. It's going to look a little more like the Arctic uh, around here. We'll check in with Christy one more time before we go and uh, talk about that snow moving in, Christy. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, the snow really starting to accumulate now on the side roads, the sidewalks as well. The main street still looking okay, but the snow is certainly intensifying. We could see 10 to 15 centimeters by tomorrow morning with the North Shore getting more. Thanks very much, Christy. And keep it right here on Global uh, this evening and into the morning as well. We'll have the latest uh, information on road closures and school closures. Look at that. Tower cam. It's coming down now. Good night, everyone.